before I start today's episode, I just want to send my prayers and condolences to the families of Brian Christopher Lawler, Brickhouse Brown, Nikolai Volkoff, and Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Um, it's been a rough few weeks for pro wrestling fans as we lost some greats and people we grew up watching. And here at the Nerdpool Podcast, I just want to send my deepest sympathies to their families and my thoughts and prayers are with them. So, with them, this is dedicated to their memory. Let's start today's show. Hey, yo. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Nerd Pool Presents Wipe That Smark Off Your Face. That's right, it's a pro wrestling segment that we bring to you whenever I feel like it. And today we're going to be talking about SummerSlam. That's right, WWE, one of their premier events. If you know the uh, World Wrestling Entertainment, then you know that they are four events that they hold near and dear to their heart every year. That is WrestleMania, SummerSlam, the Royal Rumble, and Survivor Series. This is the biggest event of the summer, the party of the summer, and this is pretty much their second fiddle to WrestleMania, as it's one of their, probably their second biggest event, and they usually try to bring out all the stops. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to really talk about, I'm not going to talk about NXT TakeOver the night before, even though I do think it technically was a better show. If you're a pro wrestling fan, try to check that out on the WWE Network if you can. Just a quick rundown of that. You had um, the Undisputed Era, Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish, or excuse me, Kyle O'Reilly, beating uh, Mustache Mountain to retain their NXT Tag Team Championships. Ricochet defeated Adam Cole to become the new North American uh, champion. You had EC3 and the Velveteen Dream in a in a great barn burner match. That ended with the Velveteen Dream going over EC3. You had Kyrie Sane finally uh, exercising the demon that is Shayna Baszler and winning the NXT Women's Championship. And then in the main event, you had Tommaso Ciampa retaining his NXT uh, Heavyweight Championship against Johnny Gargano in a Last Man Standing match. Again, this is a that was an incredible show, and I could do a whole episode on it. But since because but since the WWE main roster is the aspect of which everybody usually talks about. I'm going to be reviewing SummerSlam. Try to catch the NXT Brooklyn 4 on the WWE Network if you have it or just have a chance to because it's, it's a great show to watch. So we're, we're going to kick it off. I'm just going to run through uh, the pre-show because I mean, nobody really cares about the pre-show and it's a shame because you actually do have some good talent on it. You had Andre Cien Almas and Zelina Vega taking on Rusev and Lana. Rusev Day on the kickoff show. Uh, Andre or Cien Almas and Zelina Vega going over. Rusev Day in that match. You had the Cruiserweight Championship match with Cedric Alexander beating Drew Gulak. And this was actually a pretty good match. Uh, Cedric Alexander, I don't really know where he goes from here as the champion. I think they're just setting him up to lose to Leo Rush. I think they're going to crown Leo Rush as the new king of the Cruiserweights. It wasn't it wasn't a bad, but again, just not much to get into. And then you had the Raw Tag Team Championships as the B Team take on the Revival. And the Revival, again, getting punished for, well, in my opinion, being punished for calling themselves professional wrestlers and not sports entertainers on a promo they did get beat by the B Team. It's a shame that the Revival have been cast in the way they have because they are probably one of, if not the best tag team on the planet right now. They work really well, and they're an old-school throwback-style team. And I guess that's not what they want, especially because they're professional wrestlers and not sports entertainers. We kick off into the actual 
show with the Intercontinental Championship of Seth Rollins versus Dolph Ziggler. Seth Rollins comes out in his Thanos-inspired gear. Um, he has one gold boot, his vest, and everything that he wore to the ring. His um, ring entrance attire was looked just like Thanos from the Avengers Infinity War. And this whole night, it seems like a lot of people are trying different things with their attire, which they usually do on the big show. And it, it, I really enjoyed a lot of it, whether it's AJ Styles going to a purple look. Um, we had Charlotte wearing pink. You know, a lot of people are wearing pink as in a tribute to probably Jim Neidhart tonight. This match, though, going back to it, Seth Rollins versus Dolph Ziggler, was a, it was probably it was the best match on the show. I mean, the show the the match started a little, it started a little slow, but it picked up in the end. And these two work so well together; they have such great chemistry. And then you had the outside threat of the Scottish psychopath, as they're calling him, and I really hate that they're giving everybody nicknames. Uh, Drew McIntyre in Dolph Ziggler's corner, and you have the Lunatic Fringe. Again, I hate nicknames. Dean Ambrose in Seth Rollins' corner. A lot of people are expecting a Dean Ambrose heel turn, and it's going to happen. I mean, he's got the look. He's bulked up. He's going to turn heel. That's been the whole plan, but they didn't want to do it last night. It could happen as early as Monday night. We, we don't know. We'll have to wait and see, or they might slow burn this into going into... WrestleMania season. We'll see how it goes. The match, again, these two worked very well together. Dolph Ziggler is one of the most underrated performers in professional wrestling. Seth Rollins is one of the best performers in professional wrestling. The selling was great. Dolph Ziggler had airbrushed Intercontinental Championship on his tights, looking very much like Rick Rude. And they're trading super kicks. They're doing high flying. They're chain holding and wrestling I mean this match was very very well done very very well put together Dolph Ziggler hits the zigzag and a turn of two count Rollins at one point started bleeding from his head I don't know exactly where it came from I don't know if it's because he hit the rope instead of a corner buckle that kind of is what it sounds like uh, Ambrose hits Drew McIntyre with dirty deeds outside and Rollins hits a super kick and the stomp to win Great match, probably the match of the night. And if you're going to watch one match on this card, that's the one I would really suggest to you because it was done really well. Next up, we get a backstage segment with um, Renee Young interviewing the Bella Twins. And they're here, and they're talking about the women's evolution. And I will say one thing that really annoys me about the Bella Twins is the fact that the WWE keeps saying that they're pioneers of the women's revolution and what it became. And while they did actually, you know, try to become wrestlers, they were not pioneers of it. They were they were in the diva era. They still are divas. You had actual pioneers of the women's revolution still there. You had AJ Lee, who was probably the biggest proponent of the women's evolution. And at that point, Caitlyn was one of the bigger proponents. They were actually trying to wrestle... Then you had Charlotte, Sasha, Bailey, Becky. You had your NXT women, and they're the ones that actually forefronted and spearheaded becoming the women's evolution. The Bella Twins were divas. They, you hired them as divas. They were divas the whole time. They were never really that great of wrestlers. I don't care what people want to say. It's true, and they're apparently the, the rumored main event for the women's uh, all-women pay-per-view evolution coming up is going to be Nikki Bella and Ronda Rousey. And I really hope that doesn't happen because it, it, it Ronda deserves better than that. 
Nikki does not need to be put in that spot just because she's still uh, with John Cena. I mean, she does not need to be put in that spot. She wants the Bellas on the show. That's fine. Put the Bellas on the show in the spot that they should have been in with here, and they should have had some interrupts here, and it could, should have been the Iconics. It needs to be the Iconics, Bailey Kay and Peyton Royce against the Bella Twins. That would be a much better casting role for Women's Evolution and for the Bella Twins, and it gives you something for the Iconics to do because, I mean, it's the Iconics can come in and say that they're, you know, they're the old way, we're the new way, and they're, they're funny, and they still haven't given them anything to do. Like, they're kind of writing them into a corner, and I think this would give them something to do. They you, they could be foreshadowing a setup later on with the Ronda Rousey because the Bella Twins said they're going to be at ringside for it. Uh, we'll get into that later on. Next up, you have the SmackDown Tag Team Championship as the New Day take on the Bludgeon Brothers, Luke Harper and Eric Rowan. And this match actually kind of surprised me as we've gotten used to seeing the Bludgeon Brothers just basically beat the hell out of everyone and kind of squash them. And this match wasn't that. The New Day pulled a good match out of them. The New Day have, they're, they're one of them teams that can make anybody look good, um, in the match, and we ended up going with Xavier Woods and Big E over Kofi Kingston, and I think it was a it was it was a smart choice. All three of the New Day members, like I said, can actually they can pull a good match out of anybody. They can make anybody look good, and this was a chance to show that the Bludgeon Brothers are not just you know rough and tumble uh, squash match type guys. That they can actually go. Luke Harper is very underrated. Luke Harper is a great great performer. And he is probably the living embodiment of Bruiser Brody. And he, I think he deserves better than to be in another tag team. He should be in the main event picture. But that's that's never going to happen. They're never going to give him the push that he deserves. So with him being in the tag division, at least he's on top. The match went really well with high-flying spots and Big E doing the, you know, the big powerhouse spots for the New Day. This match ends in a DQ when Eric Rowan grabs the sledgehammers that they have and starts hitting people with it, basically saying that this feud isn't over, and we're going to see more of this. Um, it, the tag team divisions everywhere is getting kind of stale. We have the same tag teams. They're, they're pretty much there in the same matches. This, this match, like I said, was different, but we're having New Day in the tag title picture again when you have other teams that you can actually try to give to and try to put out there. Um, they went with the New Day, I know, to make the Bludgeon Brothers look good, and the New Day looks strong, and the New Day is still one of their top-selling, you know, merchandise, so they're still going to push the New Day out there. But the match was a surprisingly good compared to what I thought it was going to be, and so thumbs up to them. And I'm actually looking forward to seeing what they can do later on. Uh, this, I doubt, I seriously doubt, this is leading to a hell in a cell. I know I saw on Twitter somebody said that, that this might lead to a Hell in a Cell match. I don't think so. I think because we had the Usos and the New Day do that once. Um, I don't think they're going to put the New Day and the Bludgeon Brothers in there again. I don't think that would be a good uh, use of it, but it is what it is. We're moving into our first um, squash match of the night. This night, this seemed to be SummerSlam was the year of squash matches. There were three pretty legitimate squash matches. We had the Money in the Bank briefcase uh, on the line as Braun Strowman, who holds the briefcase, takes on Kevin Owens. If Braun Strowman loses any way, disqualification, pinfall, submission, count out, whatever, then oh, Kevin Owens wins the Money in the Bank briefcase. The bell rings and Kevin Owens gets beat the hell out of. He is doing flips when he's getting trucked over. He's doing a lot of stuff selling really strong for Roman. He gets one move in the entire match. 
the match is he gets a super kick, which Braun Strowman no-sells on the outside. He choke slams Kevin Owens on the entry ramp in what looked like a viciously brutal, brutal landing. I mean, it, it hurt me to watch. I don't know... I don't know what's going on with Kevin Owens. I don't know if there's some kind of heat with it. Kevin Owens deserves better than what he's getting. He is one of the best wrestlers they've got. He's one of the best talkers they have. Um, and I hope they have something really planned for him because him getting thrown off uh, the top of a cage and going through a table, him getting thrown off a 20-foot ladder and going through a table, this getting dumped off a porta potty I mean, Kevin Owens has been putting his body on the line for this company for the past few months. And I don't really know what they're doing. I think they're hurting Kevin more than they actually feel that they are. Um, because right now, Kevin Owens looks weak. He looks damaged to casual wrestling fans to where if he wins a title, it's not going to be a big deal to casual wrestling fans. You know, I mean, the big, the hardcore fans like me and other people I know, we know how good Kevin Owens is. We know that, you know, that this is all a story, but in the eyes of casual fans, which is what the main roster WWE cares about, Kevin Owens looks weak, so you can't have him pull off a Universal Championship win or anything like that because it's not going to look right. So I don't know if there's heat. I don't know if they have a plan, but I really hope they do, and I hope they build him strong because Kevin Owens deserves a lot more than what he's getting. And, I, you know, he's been going through hell lately, and I hope they they repay him in full for what he's done. Moving on next, we have the women, the SmackDown Women's Championship match as Charlotte Flair takes on Becky Lynch and the defending uh, Carmella. We all know Mella is money. We all know that Charlotte has a flair for the gold. And Becky Lynch has been fighting for two years to get the opportunity to be the SmackDown Women's Championship champion again. Becky Lynch earned her opportunity to be in this match, and then they threw Charlotte in as a three-way Um Carmella comes out with pink in her hair and pink on her robe, on her uh, gear, and Charlotte did the same. Again, I think this is all homage to Jim the Elmo Nightheart, and especially because Natalia's there. This match was actually, it was really entertaining. Carmella doing the, the sneaky heel tactic of trying to get Becky and Charlotte to attack each other when they're best friends. At one point, she slaps Becky in the back of the head. And falls from the mat while Charlotte is standing there. And so Becky thinks Charlotte did it. And then, you know, it, it goes through and Charlotte ends up hitting Becky accidentally as Carmella goes out of the way with a kick. And then Becky takes her thing and she knees Charlotte as she's outside the ropes. And Becky goes at it. It, it was a fun back and forth match. Like I said, uh, the, the bulk of the match is Charlotte and Becky going at it as they're two of the best women performers. Or Carmella has come a long way. She's still a little green. Um... Then putting the title on her, I think I think Carmella is probably the living embodiment of what a diva is. And but she can actually she's wrestling and she's trying. But even she says she's a diva, she's not a pro wrestler. She's doing that, she's playing up this princess, she's she knows she's pretty and she's playing it up, and she's doing the character very well. And I, I think they threw her a little bit into the championship scene a little too quickly, but they needed a fresh face. She was a fresh face, she was a good little heel, and uh, her losing here seemed to be, you know, the way for WWE to get out of because if Carmella would have won, I think the fans would have kind of shit on it. Everybody wanted Becky to win this. Becky was the hands-on babyface cheered in this match. At the end of the match, Becky has Carmella in the disarmor uh, as Carmella's about to tap out. Charlotte comes in. Charlotte hits. She hits natural selection and pins Becky one two three. Charlotte is your new SmackDown Live Women's Champion, 
uh, we see Carmella outside. She's visibly upset as she's just lost her title, and she goes to the back. As we get up, we see that Charlotte and Becky, they hug, they embrace, they're celebrating, and then Becky turns and beats the holy hell out of Charlotte. She's pounding her, she's kicking her, she's stomping her, she's throwing her under the guardrail, and then she throws her over the announce table. And so I, this was supposed to be a heel turn, I guess, for Becky Lynch, but this ended up being a, I think, a bigger babyface turn because Becky is so loved. People wanted Becky to win this match, and I think it was the Becky got screwed in this. Uh, she did. She she got screwed as it being at a one on one match and got it put into a, a three way. And I think that's where they were going with it. They're kind of miscasting the roles. Charlotte Charlotte could be the heel. Charlotte needs to be the heel. She works. She's like her father. She works best as a heel. I think Becky could still be the white hot baby face as she needs to be. And I think if they try to turn her heel. I don't think that this is going to be work. I think people love Becky too much to boo her, and I think this is just going to make her more popular. She seemed to be more over with the uh, Brooklyn crowd last night than than almost anybody. And so I don't know if this was actually a great heel turn. I will say that. This was seen. This seemed to be the blow off that we were waiting for the, with Bayla, Bailey, and Sasha Banks. We were waiting for Bailey to do this. We were waiting for Bailey to pull the Becky roll and to attack Sasha. After all, Sasha has done to her. I don't know why they didn't go with that. That it might happen later on down the line. But it seems like this was a better written role for that, and they built to that, and it didn't happen. So Charlotte's on the outside. Charlotte's upset. I mean, her best friend just turned on her. But Charlotte is your new champion, so we'll have to see how this goes. But I really don't think that people are going to boo Becky just because she attacked Charlotte Flair. Charlotte's not the sympathetic baby face that, you know, I think WWE thinks she is. Even even though she did look visibly upset, which, you know, she's, she's acting. I mean, they're still best friends. But I think that uh, Becky is still going to be... I think Becky's still going to be, you know, the, the, the white-hot baby face in this whole thing. Next up, we had the WWE Championship match as AJ Styles defending his WWE Championship against Samoa Joe. And I will say I am upset with the placement of this on the card. The WWE Championship back in the day was the end-all, be-all of pro wrestling. You know, from Bruno San Martino to Stone Cold to Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Hulk Hogan, the Iron Sheik, Bob Backlund, it goes on and on to the, the Rock, to people who have held this WWE Championship. This is one of the most prestigious belts in the company. And it's playing second fiddle to a hideously ugly red belt put on a part-timer that nobody gives a shit about as he will defend later on against a a top dog that nobody gives a shit about because he's been rammed down our throats. And the fact that this is going on before the United States title pisses me off. This goes on before Finn Balor and Baron Corbin pisses me off. These two, AJ Styles is the best performer WWE has right now. He is. He is the top performer. He is the best in-ring performer they have, taking on one of the best, probably top five in-ring performers they have, Samoa Joe. This match could have main evented this pay-per-view and would have left everybody happy. Samoa Joe gets on the microphone and we see AJ's wife and his daughter in the crowd, uh, this is the first time I think we've seen them on WWE television. They might have been in TNA. I know we've seen them in videos, but I don't think I've ever been to a live event. If I'm wrong, you can always, uh, excuse me, 
you can always tell me by tweeting at me at NerdPoolPod. Let me know because I, I really don't remember. But he gets on and he tells him, don't worry, that he's going to beat AJ and tonight daddy's coming home. This match is what you expected from these two. These two have great chemistry. They have forever from the Ring of Honor wrestling days to the TNA wrestling days, whatever. Samoa Joe and AJ Styles just have it. They have that that ability to put on a great match. And this is a match that we wish we'd got out of Nakamura and AJ at WrestleMania. They let them go here. This was a brutally physical match. They... They work extremely well together. AJ with his his high-flying prowess and his just ability to sell. Samoa Joe with his hard-hitting kicks and his punches and his more grounded type, but he can fly. I mean, he's doing, you know, suicide dives, and and he's jumped off the top rope with a a leg drop clothesline, which I've never seen Samoa Joe use. Samoa Joe, for a big man, moves incredibly well, and he is a great performer. I actually was hoping that they were going to put the belt on Joe here. It's not that I dislike AJ Styles. I just think that AJ has run his course as champion at the moment, and I just I want to see Samoa Joe with that title. I want to see him put, take the years that he has put into professional wrestling and actually have it mean something and, and let them know that he is he's made it to the mountaintop. Um, unfortunately, that wasn't that didn't happen here. And maybe it happens next month at Hell in a Cell. Maybe they put these two inside the cell, which would be a phenomenal thing. And maybe Samoa Joe gets it because I think Samoa Joe deserves to be WWE champion. The match, like I said, was hard hitting. It was going really well. Um, at the end, Samoa Joe gets up on the announce table after knocking, after throwing AJ Styles into the ring steps, and he gets on the microphone and he tells Wendy, AJ's wife. AJ, change of plans, AJ's not coming home, but I'll be your daddy now. AJ snaps, he runs, and he jumps up and knocks Samoa Joe off the announce table. They go through the timekeeper's area. He grabs a chair, and he just starts beating the holy hell out of Samoa Joe as Fitz Finley and Adam Pierce come from the back, and they stop the beatdown. Samoa Joe wins by disqualification, but still the WWE champion is AJ Styles. And we get one shot of Samoa Joe on the ground, and he's smiling after the attack, knowing that he's gotten in AJ's head. And I think that's where this is going to lead to where when Samoa Joe actually wins, I think it's going to be that way AJ can say, well, you know, he was in my head. I wasn't me. I wasn't doing what, you know, what I should have been doing, and I wasn't in the right frame of mind. Great match. This is probably the second best match on the show behind Ziggler and Seth Rollins. I love these two and they work together. The only thing was missing was Christopher Daniels and we could recreate the magic that was their TNA X Division triple threat matches. I mean, just two thumbs up, A plus, however you want to grade it. I love this match. I love these two performers and I love it when they get to work together. And I'm glad we're going to get to see more of it and they're actually letting them go. Next up, we get a, a, an unnecessary segment. I don't know where this goes. Elias comes out on stage to do a song. He cuts his, tip, his typical promo where he tells everybody to lower their cell phones and bashes the crowd. And then he goes to play his guitar. The neck snaps off. The guitar breaks. The fans start chanting at him. You know, after it breaks, and he gets up. He throws his chair, chucks his guitar, and walks off stage. I don't know where this is going. I don't know why they did this. I don't know what this kid had to do. And I, I have a feeling that they're going to say that Bobby Lashley did it. And I, I just, I don't get it. They're, 
You know, if that's where they go, why are you doing this with Bobby Lashley? Bobby Lashley deserves to be in your title picture, not feuding with Elias. And that's nothing against Elias. I'm just saying. The next we get backstage with the Miz getting ready for his match with Daniel Bryan as he's approached by the B team. And he tells them that after his win tonight, they can get his limo and they can go out and celebrate. They tell him they're no longer the Miz Taraz. They're the B team, the Raw Tag Team's champions. The B stands for Daniel Bryan, and they hope he kicks the Miz's ass. They've come into their own, and it's kind of see the, cool to see them grow. It's cool to see the Miz and the, and the B team, the Miz Taraz, have this little segment together. And next we have the Miz versus Daniel Bryan. We get an opening package that shows their history there of them from the original NXT days up till now. I mean, this feud has been building for eight years, and they have been going back and forth, and we're finally getting to see this match. Daniel Bryan's in his Seahawk-inspired gear, which is a change from the burgundy and gray gear that he usually wears. The match was well done. It's a, it's a, a mixture of styles. Daniel Bryan wrestles a WWE style, but he also still has his indie roots built in. The Miz is a WWE-built wrestler he wrestles just like the WWE style and like he said it's one reason that he never gets hurt he wrestles safe they go at each other the the match is a fun match it's what you expected the the hype behind it might have squandered it a little bit because we were we were expecting more and they delivered well but they didn't deliver I guess we were expecting I guess we hyped it up so much in our minds but they also have to save it because they're going to go back to this down the line. And I hope that somehow they get this as a WrestleMania main event because these two could tear the house down, especially if it's for a the WWE Championship or anything like that. To have The Miz defend against Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan to win at WrestleMania would be one of the biggest you know coups that I think you could do. This match is probably my third favorite match of the night simply because I love Daniel Bryan and The Miz has just come so far from being the chicken shit pest heel that I just couldn't stand to being one of the best promo guys in the business and actually working his ass off. Um, the finish comes as Maurice is at ringside with a stroller. The Miz goes is by the barricade, goes to her. She hands him something. He clocks Daniel Bryan, gives it back to her, and he pins one, two, three. So while he does get a win, it's marred in controversy as he had to cheat to win which is the Miz's character I mean that's what he does and so you know with that being the white hot baby face and the Miz cheating to win it, it worked for what they're going to do and we're going to see this match again this match seems like a hell in a cell worthy match for next the next pay-per-view these two have built for eight years I mean and I think they could tear the house down if you actually give them a chance and let them go out there and work Next up, we have Finn Balor versus Baron Corbin. This match was the second squash of the night, which, you know, I mean, this match, I wasn't excited for this match. I love Finn Balor, and I actually like Baron Corbin, but I just don't like the way this feud's going. Finn Balor, though, kind of reinvigorates everybody as he comes out in Demon Balor get-up, which we have not seen in, I think, a year and a half, two years maybe. I don't know why they chose to bring it out here. It's usually a really big deal when he brings it out, and he didn't. he's beaten Corbin, so he didn't really need it to beat Corbin. And Balor just squashes Corbin. He hits off his moves, hits the coup de grace, and he pins Corbin 1-2-3, middle of the ring. I, I don't know where they're going with this. I don't know why they're doing this. Uh, this seemed like a wasted use of the demon gimmick, and I really hope this feud's done and over because Corbin can move on to something more meaningful and – Finn Balor needs to be moved on to something more meaningful. I don't know what Vince has against 
Finn Balor. Finn Balor is one of your most overacts in the company, and you keep trying to regulate him to a mid-card status instead of putting him in the main event picture where he needs to be and around the Universal Championship was putting the belt on the him, putting the Universal Championship on him as the first Universal Champion and never getting his rematch after the injury. It kind of leaves a sour taste in all of our mouths, and you they need to rectify this and put him in that picture, ASLCP. I don't know what that means either, but it, it's something I say. But ASAP, he needs to be in the title picture ASAP. Next, we get a backstage segment of Brie Bella consoling Daniel Bryan after his loss. He's telling her, you know, he, he should have won. He, he doesn't know what he's going to do. He's upset, and Brie's trying to comfort him, and he tells her, he said, just go back out there. Just watch the rest of the event. You know, he'll stay in the backstage and basically try to cool down, but he says it's not over. Next, we get the the United States Championship match as Shinsuke Nakamura takes on D- Jeff Hardy. Shinsuke Nakamura, I'm glad he has the the univer- the United States title. Shinsuke is one of my favorite wrestlers. I mean, he he's very charismatic. They kind of flubbed his AJ Styles feud. I don't know why. You had a, the, all the makings of a great feud, and you kind of f- fucked it up with him just doing low blows. He tries to go for a low blow here on Jeff Hardy. It gets returned. Gets countered. Uh, they both do a come on bit really early. Jeff Hardy hits a swanton on the ring apron. Shinsuke moves, and he lands hard on the ring apron. And anybody who knows professional wrestling knows the ring apron is the hardest part of the ring. Jeff Hardy has a bad back. I don't know why he did this. I don't know what producer allowed this to happen because he, he could really hurt himself worse. People say it's fake. Landing on that part is not fake, and especially when you already have a bad back. I don't know what is going on there or why they allowed that to happen. Nakamura lands his Kinshasa for the one, two, three. The match is nothing really spectacular. These two just, I mean, I, I like them, but it's just something about them. Just, this isn't clicking for me. And then in one of the weirdest angles of the night, Randy Orton comes out, and we think he's going to attack Jeff Hardy again. He walks to the ring, turns right around, and walks back with no talk. He doesn't talk. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't attack anybody. It's just out and back. And... The, I don't know if they'll explain it this this coming Tuesday on SmackDown, which they have to. Other than that, if not, it's just a, the weird, just a weird, weird segment to have on a pay per view for him just to walk out and not do anything to advance a storyline. Next, we have the Raw Women's Championship as the defending Alexa Bliss takes on the baddest woman on the planet, Ronda Rousey. And as we get in this match, the bell rings and Ronda just beats the shit out of Alexa Bliss. For the duration of the match, Alexa doesn't. She's running. She's pulling chicken shit. She doesn't want to fight Ronda. Ronda sits down in the middle of the ring, gives her back, and says, you have it. So the only move that Alexa does, she runs in and puts her in a sleeper hold. Ronda immediately jumps up, flips her, pops her, bumps her. The only issue I had is at one point, Ronda's going to hit a move, and she says, ready. She says, are you ready? And she said it too loud where you could actually hear it in the announcers covered and said that she's talking to Alexa Bliss and she's poking fun at her saying get ready for this Rhonda has to quiet that down a little bit I mean it was just a slip up Rhonda's still super green and she's picked up a lot and she's done well and I'm not going to bash her because I think she's doing better than most people in that time that she's given but you know she's got little things she needs to slow down with at time she 
has Alexa Bliss and she's about to put her in an arm bar and Alexa Bliss being double jointed. You see her elbow come back in a vicious, I mean, it looks sick as the way her arm is bent before Ronda eventually locks on the arm bar and Alexa just taps out. We get, so Ronda Rousey is your new women's champion. Um, I think it might be a little too early for that. I know they got plans for, especially with the evolution pay-per-view coming up. And I know Ronda Rousey is a big mainstream, you know, character and people know her, but I think it might be a little too, too early for her to hold a championship, especially because you built her to be this monster. So there's, you know, there's really nobody that's going to beat her one-on-one unless you bring up Shayna Baszler, which I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Shayna versus Ronda. Alexa didn't get any, didn't really get any offense in, which you really don't expect the way they've hyped Ronda and the way they've took Alexa. But I think Alexa's come a long way, and I think Alexa deserved better than just to be squashed in this type of manner. Again, it's the it progressed the story, and I know why they did it, but I, I just think Alexa probably deserved a little bit more, at least some interference or something to give her some kind of offense to make it look more realistic. The best, the one thing I will say about this match is beforehand, um, Natalia Neidhart was at ringside. She came down wearing her late father, Jim Neville Neidhart's ring jacket from the 1990 SummerSlam when they were defending or won the tag team titles, him and his brother-in-law, Brett. And it was a cool moment. Natty gets in the ring. She's celebrating with Travis Brown. And then the Bella Twins get in to celebrate with her, and they get booed, which I'm fine with. Nothing against the Bella Twins, but there's no reason for them to have been in that ring at that point. There was no reason for them to be in that ring. None. And she goes outside, and she's, she jumps into the arms of her husband, Travis Brown, and she says, I love you, and they're all excited. You know, good for Ronda Rousey, and she won the belt. That, that's a cool thing, but I, I think it might have been a little early, and it's, I thoroughly think that they should have done a squash match. I mean, you need, you need Ronda to look good. Ronda looks like a killer, but, you you know, you could have done something to where Alexa got some kind of offense in. So moving on to the main event, we have Roman Reigns taking on the reigning defending Universal Heavyweight Championship Brock Lesnar with his advocate Paul Heyman at ringside. This match was doomed from the beginning. Um, Brock Lesnar fans are over Brock Lesnar because he's. It's one thing to have Brock Lesnar come in as a part timer. You know that's fine. Nobody's going to really say anything about that. But when he has your your the belt that that you have said is the main belt, the one that the big dog, you know, the 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 be, the main title in your whole company, and he's had it for five hundred plus days, and he's defended it four times. It's ridiculous. I mean, it it really is, and people were just over it. Roman Reigns has been shoved down people's throats for years now, and people are rejecting it. When they make their entrances, Vince and them kill the mic, so you don't hear the chorus of boos. For Reigns and Brock, both of them are booed to high heaven. Um, this is, and so this has all the makings of being a just total clusterfuck. As the fans are going to hijack this, you know it's going to happen. But they do one thing that's smart. Braun Strowman, after uh, defending and keeping his money in the bank, you hear his music hit. The fans pop. He comes out with a briefcase. He gets in the ring. And he tells them that he's not a coward. He's not going to do whatever other money the bank person has done. He's not going to 
um, take and do it when cash in when their back is turned. He's going to do it to their face. And he said that whoever wins, he's cashing in right after, which, I mean, you're doing it trying to make him look like he's not a coward. And yes, he's not. But he's, instead of saying, let's make this a three-way, I'm going to cash in right now. I'm going to wait and I'm going to cash in on the person who's just had a match. So it's kind of a heel tactic, not a baby face, but whatever. The one thing that I did like it, like is he said, good luck, Roman. And he said, good luck to you, beastie boy, talking to Brock. And I think it got under Brock's skin a little bit. Because Brock approached him and, you know, yeah, I know Brock knows it's a joke. But, you know, and he knows it's part of the show. But I think that kind of pissed Brock off just a little bit. Like, you can kind of see in his eyes like he wasn't expecting the Beastie Boy. And then we got a Beastie Boy chant, which was awesome. The bell rings, and it's just Superman punch, Superman punch, Superman punch, spear, spear. As he goes for a third spear on Brock Lesnar, Brock catches Roman Reigns with a guillotine. Uh, Roman powers out. He goes for it again. He gets caught in a guillotine again. And then... Then we start going to Suplex City. You see a couple fans counting, and this is when they start hijacking. Um, they start getting you both suck chants. At one point, we do get a Roman, let's go Roman, Roman sucks chant. Um, there is a big pop and then a boo, which might have been a beach ball. I don't know, because um, then we got an asshole chant right after. Uh, this match, they, they started hijacking it, and they were trying to keep... They kept Braun there as a way of not having them do it because people thought that, well, maybe Braun's going to cash in, which is what we wanted, what we should have had happen for, you know, a universal championship. I mean, these two guys, nobody wants them as champion. It's nothing against Roman Reigns. Like, I'm not a Roman Reigns hater. Um, I just think Roman Reigns has been shoved down everybody's throat too much. I think he's been booked way too strong. And if it's not working, it's not working, you know, as I've, I've said before, and I just think that they, they need to they roll it back just a little bit, just give him some time away from it to where we're not always thinking he's going to be the guy. Let it happen organically or something like that. I was expecting a Paul Heyman turn here for Roman or Braun or somebody. We didn't get that. Uh, we Roman goes for a spear to Brock. Brock moves. Roman goes through the ropes. He hits Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman gets up. Brock Lesnar F5s Braun Strowman. He, as he goes to get back in the ring, Braun grabs his ankle. Brock beats him with the Money in the Bank briefcase, chucks the briefcase up the ramp, so we're not getting a cash in, and hits him with chairs. Hits him with a chair a few times. He gets in the ring as he goes to hit Roman. Roman spears him. One, two, three. Roman Reigns is your universal champion. I, I, I don't like the way it booked, but at least now we have a champion that's going to wrestle a little bit more. You know, the championship will be defended more than four times in almost two years. I'm over Brock Lesnar. If Brock Lesnar leaves the WWE, I'm fine. Um, I, Suplex City is boring as shit. Uh, I, Brock Lesnar has two matches in him. He phones everything in. He does not give a shit about the company or the fans. That's 100% true. If you know Brock, Brock's about his money, and that's it. Um, I'm the, the Brock has the two forms of matches, whether he gets in and he... Just German suplexes somebody 42 times, F5s them and beats them in a squash match. Or he gets in like he did with Samoa Joe, gets his ass kicked the entire thing, hits one F5 and wins. That's that's a Brock Lesnar's matches. That's all he does. He phones everything in. If he goes away, I'm totally fine with him going away. I'm so over Brock Lesnar. I've been over him for months and a, probably a little bit over a couple years now. 
and uh, you know I'm not a Roman guy but at least Roman is there and Roman does legitimately try and I think he cares about the business enough and I don't know where it goes with Paul Heyman from here but at least we have a universal champion that's going to be there now there could have been you know I think there could have been a lot of uh, this could have been done a lot differently and I I think it could have been booked differently. I think they could have booked Strowman to actually win it, cash in, but they didn't want that to be too much like WrestleMania where Roman didn't get his one win over Brock. But I will say Bobby Lashley should have been put in that position. It should have been Bobby Lashley to get that win. It should have been Bobby Lashley to beat Brock Lesnar. That's what it should have been. You wasted Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar. You wanted that match back in the day. You have both of them there. Bobby Lashley is better than he's ever been. Brock Lesnar's on his way out. Why not have Bobby Lashley put the match together and have Bobby Lashley go over? Now, maybe Brock's not done. Maybe he comes back for WrestleMania season and they go with there. I don't know, but it seems like you could have had Bobby Lashley. This could have been a crowning achievement for Bobby Lashley. And you just, to me, you missed the boat. But I'm not booking. They don't pay me to book. And I kind of think that they lose touch sometimes with what wrestling fans want. But they go for casual fans. They don't, you know, the, the hardcore wrestling fans, they have already have our money. Guys, if you're a hardcore wrestling fan, they have your money. As much as you bitch about the WWE booking, as much as you say that you can't stand the way this is done or that's done, you've still got the money. You're still going to buy the T-shirt. You're still going to go to the show. You're still paying, you know, $9.99, $10.99 a month for the WWE Network. They have our money. They want the casual fan, and that's what they cater to. You know, the hardcore fans, NXT and if you're a WWE watcher, NXT is where your horrorcore fans go to get their wrestling fix. And if you're a horrorcore fan, go watch NXT Brooklyn take over. It's a better show. This show was not bad. There's too many squash matches, in my opinion. There's stuff that could have been done differently. But the Ziggler, you know, the Ziggler-Rollins match was great. The Samoa Joe-AJ Styles match was great. Even the women's triple threat match was great. So, yeah, I mean, this is the show to go watch. This is one that actually you'll enjoy. I think you'll enjoy this more than you enjoyed WrestleMania this past year so that's going to be it um thank you everybody for your support follow me on nerd on twitter at nerdpool pod follow me on instagram at nerdpool podcast go uh, like share subscribe smash that like button you know comment help me just get the ratings up a little bit on you know my podcast wherever you get your fix from just hit that subscribe button you know, wherever you're at, so I'll be there every day when you see it. Every time you open up, you know, when a new episode drops, you'll see it, front and center. Thank you all for your love. Thank you for your support. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, go out and watch SummerSlam because it was an enjoyable show. And, again, watch NXT Brooklyn take over four. I guarantee you won't be dis- you won't be disappointed in that. So that's it. That's Nerd Pool for this week. And until next time, remember to wipe that smark off your face. See ya.